Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Fund Podcast. Our guest today is the lovely Carrie Walls. How are you today, Carrie? I'm great. Well, that's good. That's good. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about your business. What is it that you do? I'm a business and executive coach. I work with both small businesses and executives and corporations about increasing their both their success and their fulfillment in their work and careers. Well, that's that's definitely a much needed thing because we could get very successful, but then <laughs> we spend all of our time working and there isn't much time for anything else. So it's always trying to work out, okay, how do I balance it and, and make it so that life is worth living? Yes. And what is your family situation, Carrie? I am a mother of two girls. Uh, one's 21 and the other is 24. Oh, so you, you've gotten them through college and stuff like that. One's in their last semester. She's doing that in Berlin. This She just left on Saturday. Oh, interesting. So she gets to go over to Germany to finish up. Yes, yes. And what what is she doing in Germany? Well, she she went to one college and then transferred, so she got she had an extra semester after her friends had graduated, so she just missed a lot of times in the states they do that junior year abroad, but she missed that in some of the transfers, so she's doing it now. She's just going to school there. And uh, quickly learning German, I believe. <laughs> well, the, be- the best way to learn a language is to immerse yourself in it. That's for right. sure. What is, yeah. How did she pick Berlin? Like, is it just something she was interested in or what, what was available? There are different towns, different places she could have picked. And that was the one. Uh, she's rather an artist and a photographer. And that's what interested her. So... Well, I can I can totally understand that. If if I could go back and and make some changes, I probably would have found a way to do some traveling when I was younger, rather than being serious right from the get go. Right. <laughs> so, Carrie, thinking back to like when you were a kid and, and learning about money, what was the first time that you can remember money being something that came into your awareness? My parents always told different stories about it, um, based on mistakes they had made and, um, or they had seen other people make. Now I can't remember exactly, but, uh, my, my mother, um, parents, 
started a business in the middle of the depression. He was a superintendent and she was a school teacher and they started a school specialty supply. And my grandfather actually invented tardy slips and lesson plan books. He wanted schools to run more like business and they did really well. Um, so that was his background. I mean, my mom's background, but one of the things they always said is capital is hard to come by. Um, kind of keep it secret. Don't tell people if you have money. Um, and I mean, I grew up in a fairly affluent, um, city and I mean, but I would earn money. I didn't get everything I wanted either. So. Well, that, that's really quite, quite interesting. The fact that your, your grandparents started a business in the depression and it went well. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. They started it in their basement and it grew quite a bit. There's still a company named that, but it's been bought out by several things. And then my mother was always angry because my grandfather sold the business to the employees. <laughs> she was not happy about that. <laughs> oh, so your grandfather was like a major pioneer then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my mother grew up um, working in the business. And that's one of the things she wanted us not to have to do. She wanted us to have our childhoods. She didn't want us to be working. I think she pretty much spent her whole childhood in that business. Um, so she kind of went the other way. Uh, just, you should be able to do what you want to do. You shouldn't work. So my first job wasn't until I think I was 19 or something. Oh my. So, so when you were looking, like when you were interacting with your grandparents, you had obviously a very different way of looking at, at, at money and, and, and business and all of that. And then with your mom, what were some of the, like the differences and stuff? And, and did you feel pulled going through that? Well, the, like certain stories were repeated, but like the thing about capital is hard to come by. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really give you a plan about how to manage money. It wasn't until I was getting divorced and I had two kids and I had a not that great a salary. I really had to learn how to do a cash flow, you know, the mechanics of how do you support yourself and how do you do this and how do you, um, how you do it. I didn't have many of the practices. I was just told generalities about, you know, yeah, money that earns interest. You know, I had some of the general tenants, but not the practices or the how. Yeah, that that's that's very much a common thing, especially with women. I was actually just at a luncheon thing yesterday, and the speaker was talking about women and money. And unfortunately, and I've seen this throughout my career as well, probably not quite as much because I work with a lot more self-employed small business people, and they have to look after things a lot more. But yeah. a lot of women don't learn how to actually do anything until they're either divorced, which is unfortunately very common, or widowed. It's like, okay, we have the general stuff, but my husband looks after that or or the different ones like that. And it's not just the older generation. It's it's still coming down and I'm going, we need to change this. It, it shouldn't be 
Um, men look after the money or women look after the money. It's basic life skills that everybody needs to have and much, much earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, there's certain, I, both my parents ended up passing away in my twenties. So I inherited some money, but I wasn't really equipped to deal with that. And there's certain things I did that, you know, were a reflection of the time just, I was married, so it's like my money is our money. But doing that over again, I wouldn't necessarily have done it that way. Hindsight's uh, always twenty twenty. If we could go back, yeah. there's an awful lot of things pretty much everybody would fix. But that's all right. part of the learning experience. So yeah, for sure. What are some of the things that? Okay, I think you have an absolutely fabulous history, like having having the grandparents in business and the, and the different things like that. So, so when you started realizing uh, that you needed to do more of this stuff, how did you start teaching your daughters more? I, I mean, <clears throat> I, uh, way back when, I mean, they had an allowance and I tried different things at different times, uh, giving them their whole allowance for the month so that then they would have to learn to budget and do things. Because we, you know, I moved into kind of a well-to-do community for the schools. I also didn't want them to have a lot of access to too much money because um, that could lead to different different problems. But um, so I I tried different things. I don't know how great a job I did at that, <laughs> but I've learned since then definite things about that, and I think they're doing really well but they learn some of it through the experience of it well some things that's the only way that you can learn okay so looking back knowing what you know now what would you have taught how would you have taught your daughters any different what would you what would you change if you could go back to say when they were like eight what would you do differently well my income increased a lot and my older daughter jokes about this. <laughs> she was like, what happened? <laughs> Didn't used to be this way. You guys are going out all the time. Um, my income increased and I also got more and more responsibility at work. And I was also a single mother. So sometimes I was just kind of overwhelmed on the home front mm. by managing the work stuff. So I wasn't, I got less disciplined, especially when my older daughter went to college. Um, about some of that and kind of would just do what was easiest, which wasn't the best way to do it. And I, um, my younger daughter, she had trouble saving money. She'd have breakdowns with money. She, but of course, cause I kind of bailed her out or let her do that. She didn't really have the meaning of money. So, um, being a little more structured about it and not, rescuing her um would have been way more helpful yeah i think just the the it was tight when they were like eight so they learned some things then they were pretty appreciative because it was tight <laughs> you know i remember one time we were getting ice cream cones and they they asked if they could put toppings on it and i said yes and they're so excited <laughs> but you know, because that wasn't something we could always do. But um, and they were in a community that didn't function that way, you know, had much more affluence than that. So 
but that was good for them, I think. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, we love our kids, and we want we want them to be happy, and we don't want them to, to suffer or go through pain. But there's one of the biggest problems that I've, I've seen is so many parents bubble wrap their children, or they, they helicopter. Like, I was just reading art. Uh, I've read a few articles on it about parents now wanting to go to job interviews for their kids and stuff like that, and I'm going... You are not helping your kids in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. <laughs> That's amazing. I know my older daughter once said she was like in sixth grade, and I was in a community with a lot of stay-at-home moms, which was really nice for me. It helped a lot. <laughs> but, you know, one, the teacher said, well, can't you just – she forgot an assignment or something. And the teacher said, can't you just get call your mom and tell her to bring it? And <laughs> she was like, no, she worked. You know, so you do, in some ways, learn to be more responsible because they they had to. And I personally think that's that's a good thing, because when when your daughters have to learn that stuff that they that no, I can't just call mom for this, that they have they have to step up to the plate and be able yeah. to take care of themselves. Like when you when you come across these these college students that they're dropped off and they don't even have the ability to make toast because mom, dad, or someone else has always done it for them. Going, I couldn't even imagine that. Right, right. I was at this college graduation event, and one of the mothers had left her her daughter who's about to go to college, and she was concerned that she didn't know how to use a can opener. (laughs) I was like, oh, my. (laughs) How long did it take you to pick your job off the floor? (laughs) I think my kids learned how to use a can opener early on. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're having lots of fun teaching my daughter to cook and make that. And, and she might grumble a little bit. But then when yeah. she finds out, like, her, her, her friends and stuff, that she goes to school and they can't do half the things that my daughter can. Like, she thinks uh-huh. that's pretty awesome then. <laughs> so now now with, now with your daughter's older and, and stuff, what, what are some of the questions or, or, or conversations you guys have around money now? Well, I mean, I, I've shared a cash flow with both of them. I don't think they use it yet. Um, my older one lives in Boston, which is quite an expensive, um, city and she's managing it and I'm not supporting her in any way besides some flights home and Christmas presents and stuff. But, um, she she knows how to manage her money, and I think she learned to do that in college because I know she went to a small liberal arts college, which is quite expensive in the States, and um, she appreciated that and that I was able to do that. And um, so she just learned to not ask for anything beyond what the tuition was already, and she mm-hmm. just learned to be pretty thrifty and not spend money where she didn't value it. And, um, so, and, and my younger daughter this summer was, you know, she's going to be a graduate in January. So she was, she was working two jobs, worked at this specialty ice cream store and then worked at a bakery in the morning. And she had a certain target of how much money she wanted. So she would have enough for Berlin where she's, uh, is this semester and also for to kind of land wherever she decides to land when she's done. So they kind of figure it out because 
they know responsible about it. What? And I've had, you know, and starting my business, I mean, I left where I was and started my own business in the last year and that takes a little bit getting up and running. So they know there's just not, um, a bank over here. <laughs> and that's actually been helpful for both of them, I think. Well, I, I have to, I have to agree. So one of, one of the questions I had with, with, with you being down in the States, like, I know that the student debt, student loan debt problem down in the States is absolutely massive. They're saying it's worse than credit cards and mortgages down there. Yeah. Yeah. What are you seeing with that? Like from your, your daughters don't have to deal with any of that. They, they have some debt. So they, they got some, but we tried to keep it in like, the normal range where they say, you know, not more than a first year salary when they get it out. So I just, I wanted, they didn't have money to put toward tuition, but they, they are paying for some of their college. So yeah, I think it's not good. You can get a loan like within two minutes, almost no matter what, that's, they limit how much the kids can get, but the parents can take whatever very quickly, <laughs> as long as they have a good credit rating. But I think that that actually encourages the pricing of the schools to continue to go up. So. Oh, oh, very much so. And, and there's been a lot of uh, documentaries on the schools that are targeting the people that can't necessarily afford and then they're selling an education that isn't worth anything. Right. Some of the commercial. I, I'm just a, it's part of my values. I'm just a strong believer in a small liberal arts education. I really think it teaches you to think critically and, um, you know, really have empathy. And so some people would say like an English major isn't a good thing to be doing. But I'm an English major and, you know, so there's a lot of skills you develop that I think uh, last for a long, long, long time. Well, one of the things uh, they're saying is like a master's of fine arts is one of the most sought after degrees in the corporate world now. Because, yes, kids can learn how to technically do things, but the ability to think outside the box and come up with creative solutions and different things that's where they're having problems with. And if we want to maintain a competitive edge, we need to be able to have that well-rounded way of looking at things and learning how to deal with people. Not everybody's an engineer and not everybody should be an engineer. Right, right. I think it's important that you do work that's fulfilling and has meaning for you. Um and it's it's part of the process of growing up is figuring that out. Some some of us have no intention of ever growing up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, like, well, the thing is, like the stats are saying now that like your daughter and and daughters and my daughter and stuff, they're going to go through seven total and complete career changes before they ever hit retirement age. Right. And, there's so many people that, that I know that are my age and older and stuff like that, and they went and they have degrees and things that have nothing whatsoever to do with what they're doing professionally now. Right. But right. they learned how to take the different skills and things that they've learned in their different different jobs and careers and stuff like that and move it over. Like you said, you have a an English degree. Yeah. Who, who would think? And my my older daughter's kind of stressing about her career and what was she gonna do and 
you know, I said that our careers don't always make sense when we're moving forward into them. But now when I look back on my career, I have the English, I had the education background, I had small business experience, I worked at a nonprofit, you know, then I became a coach for the last 15 years. It really does make sense. And a lot of the skills I developed along the way just add, I use that education background all the time. So it, you know, I just consider that you do have a calling. You're here on the planet to serve some concern. Um, And if you keep stepping forward into your calling, it'll make sense. And you have to be practical about the money too. The, the money part has you grounded in reality. So it's really important. Very, very much so. Like I, I sit down with like a lot of teenagers and stuff that are, are grade 11, grade 12 up here. So they're getting close and they're going, everybody's asking them, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And and they're so terrified because they're going, I don't know. I don't want, I don't know what I want to commit to for like 45 years. Right. And so I tell them, you know what? You're not committing for 45 years. You're committing for like the next, next little while. What interests you now? And yeah. then learn it, get as many skills as you can, learn how to build your relationships. And if you find that, you know what? This isn't really rocking your world anymore. Move to something else. You're, ha- right. you are not stuck in cement. And then. Right. It's like this huge weight's being lifted off of their shoulders and they're going, okay, I can make a choice for the next little while. And if it doesn't right. work, and it's not teaching them to be flaky or anything, but could you imagine making a decision and I have to do this for the next 45 years? That'd be terrifying because if you didn't <laughs> do it right, it's like my world is over. Right. Well, one of the things I talk about with clients is, we have different domains of activity in our lives. We have a financial domain, a career domain, family, relationship. And to really have a purpose for each domain of your life. So what's the purpose of your career? And when you're clear about, like, my purpose is to end suffering in the workplace in my career. It's really about building success and fulfillment for people the vehicle may change. Like I used to work at, I was a CEO of a company and now I'm really doing it myself with a business partner. So I've changed the vehicle, but my purpose hasn't changed any. Um, So getting clear about what that purpose is and not getting attached to the vehicle because the vehicle will change, but the purpose will stay the same. And a purpose, how I defined it is like a, never ending aim like your purpose is kind of a silly example maybe to go east but if you're going from toronto to new york you didn't necessarily fulfill your purpose you just hit a benchmark there's still east to go yeah so it's kind of an inquiry always looking how best to serve so that's another way to look at it so it's just what's the vehicle for now, and I think the most important thing is, are you going to learn and develop all the time? I was just talking to a client who, um, I have no question. He he's had, he didn't get he got passed over for a promotion, and he's bummed about it. Um, but he's going to be an executive. I have no doubts about that because of his. He, he's such a learner. He does martial arts. He's reading books all the time. He's learning from the situation. He's increasing his self-awareness. He's looking at it from 
a level of responsibility. So just being a learner can be so much as far as your your career, and it'll help you continue to develop yourself. And that increases your income because you're, it expands your contribution. Oh, very, very much so. Looking back, especially to when I was younger and and the job opportunities that didn't pan out that I was all excited about and stuff. I'm going, looking back, I'm going, I'm really glad I didn't get that or it didn't work out because I'd be, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I got with the other things that came around later. <laughs> right. And just learning, learning to not be so emotionally attached to a particular way of doing anything. Right. And that takes practice because <laughs> when we're attached, we're in some sort of survival about it. Um, and I really work with clients to either like you're in survival or you're like survival or some condition you're tolerating or you're standing for a future, creating a future, standing for a possibility. And we're always in one state or the other. And if you we all are thrown to survival and money is a great area that can quickly throw us into survival but how do you stand for what you're committed to and um, just engage in practices that support your commitment even though that might not be true yet but if you continue to practice you you will get there oh totally without a doubt so to finish up here if you can make sure that your your two daughters know three things about money, and then you feel like, okay, I'm successful I'm on that front. I've done a good job. What are the three things you really want your daughters to understand and get about money? I'd love, my favorite financial tool is a cash flow where you project out into the future. It's not, I mean, a lot of programs say they have a cash flow, but it's not exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So, um, that's been my go-to tool. It's how I paid for college. It's how I went through starting my own business. So it kind of keeps you out of fear and you're just managing the reality. So when of, you say cash flow, what exactly are you meaning? It's an Excel template, an Excel spreadsheet where you say, here's the beginning balance. Here is my income this month. Here are my expenses. I have an ending balance, and the ending balance becomes your beginning balance of the next month, and you have that out for a year. Okay. So it helps. You know, people are pretty good at managing the day-to-day. -day. It's the surprises that throw them off, So, or the unusual expenses. So. Okay, so um, you're saying like a really good budget is what you're saying. So they know. Yeah. Okay. And you make it accurate from the the present you know up to, so like my cash flow is accurate through august right now yep. and september on it's speculative because you don't exactly know what's going to happen but you have a general idea yes so it's it's kind of a budget but also how does your cash flow what unusual things are coming up and how will you manage them like that okay so that's the number one thing Three things about money. Good question. Just save. I mean, obviously, save, learning to save money so that you're prepared for unexpected things that can happen. And I'd say owning their value and their contribution because that impacts how much money you can earn. Oh, that's that's a really, really good one, especially from what we were talking about. Um, 
the seminar was at yesterday at, at lunch, and women have a horrible habit of underselling themselves. They're saying if if you've got a man and a woman going in and they're applying for the exact same position and all else will be the same, a man will ask for 20% more and a woman will ask for 20% less. So she'll ask for 40% less for a starting salary than right. a guy, all things being equal, because she doesn't she doesn't own her value and her worth the same way guys do. Yeah. And it, that reminds me of one of the things I did teach my kids, which I thought I may regret this, but I taught them how to make requests at a very young age. Um, request what you want. Go big. Go bigger than you think right from the get-go. And, of course, they use that on me a lot. But <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great strategy. Rather than humming and hawing and try to manipulate or coerce it's just i just would kind of say okay so what's your request just tell me what your request is <laughs> but that relates to money a lot oh completely money relationships absolutely everything there's a yeah. there's a saying that i absolutely love it's a native american saying and it goes uh aim for eagle shoot pheasant never eat crow <laughs> there you go and yeah, I I love that because what's the worst they can say? No. <laughs> right. And if they say yes, you do better. Or at least you have a place to negotiate. Why would you start at the bottom? Why would you right. start at the bottom? Yeah. So thank you very much for joining us today. It was a great well, conversation. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll have a wonderful day. Okay. You too. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfun.ca.